Sixer Nation, what is good? Welcome on in to Philly Take with RB Tuesday night edition. Sixers with yet another tough loss. They fall to the Rockets. They lost three in a row and sit at 500. We might as well run it up, man. Sixers Therapy, episode one. Can't believe we're here this early in the year, but man, we have some things to talk about. We got to get some things off our chest about why this team is where they are right now. We will break it all down, man. It has not been pretty. It has not been pretty, but maybe the best thing to do is vent, right? They say don't hold things in. A lot of years, a lot of months, a lot of games have gotten us to this point, but it's time to uh, to highlight what's really going on here, man. So welcome on into the show. Philly Take with RB. Once again, hit the like button, guys. Subscribe to the show right now. Hit the bell. Welcome on in. Thank you all for tuning in, rocking with the content. We have a good show tonight, guys. A lot of things to look at. We're going to look at a couple specific quotes, a couple things from last night. And overall, we're going to fire up the phone lines. We're going to hear from Sixer Nation. Um, it must be done. It must be done, especially with where this team is at right now. Shout out to our sponsor of tonight's show, Manscaped, the leading provider of below-the-waist men's grooming products. Go get your Manscaped items. Big holiday sale, 20% off on every item and free shipping using the promo code PhillyTake over on Manscaped.com. Check them out. Go get yourself one of these, man, for the holidays. Lawnmower 4.0. All right, man, we got to get into it. We got to get into it because uh, it, it was not pretty last night, guys. It was not pretty, and um, I'm I'm still pissed off, all right? And there's a lot of people on both sides of the spectrum. There's the people that say, fire everybody, get rid of everybody, break it up, crash it down. And then there's the other people that say, you know, people are too negative about everything. You shouldn't say anything. I think I'm in the middle, but man, am I frustrated. I am frustrated. And let me break this down for you, okay? Last night was not a simple loss. The Sixers don't have simple losses, okay? They're either one extreme or the other. They're either one extreme. They're either losing to a six-win tanking team in double overtime or they're winning and everybody is all hooray, you know? Last night had to be one of the most frustrating games that I have ever seen from this team. And why was it frustrating from this team? Well, you could give it the fact that we got pushed to double OT. It felt like the longest game in the world, and we couldn't muscle out the energy to beat that team. Or you could talk about the fact that it was James Harden's first game back and all this stuff. At the end of the day, this Sixers team is not living up to expectations, okay? If this is a show where, you know, you don't want to hear anything negative, tonight's not the night for you because we are going to highlight everything that is going wrong with this Sixers team. And we're going to we're going to give proof and evidence of it, okay? But anyway, this Sixers team right now is failing from the top to the bottom. And what I mean by that is everybody bears responsibility. Everybody deserves blame for what's going on right now. Personally, I like to wait 20 to 30 games within an NBA season to really break it down, to really get a sense of how this team is going to fare later in the season, right? To see their championship DNA. Right now, the Sixers have none. 
We are 24 games in, and I know it's still early. Teams can turn the corner at any time. Look at the Celtics last year, right? But right now, something is off. This Sixers team doesn't feel like they have it. They don't feel like they have it at all, and that is the most frustrating part because you almost feel stuck in a sense. This is supposed to be the year. All the talk, all the expectations, you have an offseason together. This is supposed to be the year. I know there's injuries and stuff like that, but you need to get over the hump. You need to get over the hump, and right now the Sixers can't even tread water. They can't even tread water right now. So we will take a look into it, and we will break it all down. Once again, hit the like button and subscribe to the show. A lot of good stuff coming up tonight. We post content every day. We're going to keep covering it, win or lose. Keep on voicing in the comments. Let me know how you guys are feeling. Let's keep it going all night. Um, you know, I just want, I want to see people's thoughts, reactions, emotions. How are you feeling? Because the sense that I'm getting right now over the last 12 hours, okay, I've been sitting here all day just like, I'm like, what is going on with this team? And the sense that I'm getting from the Sixers fan base is that they are disconnected. That is the best way I can describe it. How many times are you going to have to buy in to a team getting over the second round hump? How many times are you going to have to buy in to a new philosophy and strategy and adding pieces and, oh, this is the year, this is the year, and it just seems like the same old right now. That's what it seems like. And I feel like a lot of people are just like, eh, we'll see what happens come playoff time. We'll see what happens come trade deadline time, and we'll go from there. A lot of people are disinterested based off the way this team is playing. Right now in the chat, Sixer Nation, right now, I want to know yes or no. Drop a yes or no in the chat. Can this Sixers team turn it around this season? Is this season salvageable? I can't believe I'm asking that question on a live show when we sit at 12 and 12. Is it possible that this Sixers team can turn the corner and, and be a legitimate playoff deep contender this season? Yes or no in the chat? Because right now I'm having hard, a hard time believing anything. You go on a stretch and you win seven out of nine games and then James Harden comes back and you revert right back to the same thing you were doing the first 12 games of the year, the first 10 games. It is inexcusable. We are going to break down who deserves responsibility and, and why this thing is taking a, a deep dive already. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say the Sixers have been one of the most disappointing teams so far based on expectation. Let's shout some people out in the chat, man. Let's get some answers up in here before we move on. We have David who says no. We have Sports Hulk who says yes. Superhero says it's only salvageable if Maury can get us a small forward. Lav says they always make it to the playoffs, so I would assume so. Cameron says yes. Yukon says I don't care. Matt says no. Lax says yes. Michael, no. Jalen, no. Michael says fire. Doc, don't see them beating Boston and Milwaukee. Yes. Yes, if they fire Rivers. Deep, maybe not, but at least second round. Well, that's not good enough. That is not good enough at this point. And uh, I see Pete who says we have talent. Yeah, we do have talent, but we've had talent for the last six years. We've been promised for the last eight years that we're finally going to be something. And it feels like we're stuck in the mud. And it is frustrating. It is frustrating watching this team right now. It is frustrating watching this team. D Green, our channel member, says, the ship isn't being steered in the right direction by the captain, their prime reason we seem lost in the middle of the ocean. That is a great way to put it. Uh, let's start with last night, guys. 
Let's start with last night. And just, again, keep giving your thoughts in the chat. I definitely want to hear what Sixer Nation is feeling. We will get to the phones uh, later on. If you want to call the show, 508-924-3784. That is the phone number. So last night, the Sixers go down in double OT. They fall to the Houston Rockets, all right? I'm going to pull up, pull up the box score, even though I don't care about the box score, okay? I don't care one bit about the box score. What I care about is what I saw with my own two eyes, and that was this Sixers team looked demoralized. First game with James Harden back, yes, he comes back from injury. He's going to find a groove eventually. He had an awful game. And the Sixers just tried to ride it down the same road. They tried to do the same thing for the last 30 minutes of the ball game. We go down in regulation. Doc Rivers has two timeouts at, at the end of the game. Doesn't call one. Let's us ride it out. And the Sixers try to just put up any shot. And, uh, you know, we, we missed that. And then we go to overtime and we try to do something similar. And we just terrible ball movement. No communication on defense. Let me be clear. As bad as the offenses looked, as much as we need right now on offense, the worst thing about this team has been the defense the last couple games. And you come out and you win seven to nine games with Joel Embiid out, with James Harden out, with Tyrese Maxey out. Who was running the offense? It was Shake Milton. It was DeAnthony Melton. It was George Niang. And a lot of people keep saying, oh, well, they didn't play anybody. They played terrible teams. You're right, they did play a handful of games against bad teams, but I don't care. One, it is how they were playing. It's not the result. It's what was going on to determine the result. I saw it with my own eyes. These boys went out there and stuck it to Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons. They beat uh, Giannis and the Bucks shorthanded, but still, you know, Maxi went out in the first half. They took down Giannis. They didn't just go out there and play the G-leaguers of Wisconsin, okay? No, they were out there playing basketball, and they were moving the ball. They were playing team basketball. They were communicating. They looked like they cared. Right now, they don't look like they care. How is it a coincidence that we were the number one defense in the league for, what, nine, ten games, a half of a month, maybe a month at this point? And then three games in, Joel comes back, James comes back, we forget how to play defense. We don't communicate. We try to play hero ball the entire game. It is so frustrating because we literally saw that some of our guys could produce. We saw some of them have talent, but we're not utilizing the core, the system, the fundamentals of the game. We're running the same thing into the ground. All right, let me not get too ahead of myself here. So Anyway, again, the box score last night, right? Joel had 39, Tobias 27, James shot four for 19. He still had 21 points. And the Sixers lost, not just lost, but they lost to the six-win Rockets, who are not going to be any good for the next three to four years, by the way. They're retooling, they're rebuilding. They have, you know, a bunch of 21-year-olds, and they, they out-hustled us all game. But the funny thing is, is that we out-rebounded them. At points in this game, the Houston Rockets didn't have any fast break points. They didn't even play a good game. The Sixers shot almost 50% from three, and we still lost this game. That, to me, is almost incomprehensible. How did we lose that game last night? And not only did we lose, it felt like we were hanging on for dear life for the entire game. How does a team like the Houston Rockets, with little to no experience, 
go out there and look like the more experienced team. I'll tell you, it's more preparation and it's more heart. It's more heart. That's what it is. You look at these numbers. I mean, the Sixers should have won this game. I mean, 11 off the bench for Shake Milton. Reed with six. We'll get to him later on. And I know Joel Embiid didn't play double OT and blah, blah, blah. It shouldn't have got there. It shouldn't have got there. The Sixers could have made a couple tweaks and they could have won this basketball game, but they didn't. And everybody right now is driving me crazy. Now, I want to start off. Uh, with this, shout out to Avi Wolfman Arendt on Twitter, okay? Look at this stat. The Sixers are now 2-5 and five when Joel Embiid and James Harden play together, and they are 10-7 and seven when one of them or both of them have missed a game. Nothing to sugarcoat that. And then they continue on here. The five losses include games against the San Antonio Spurs and the Houston Rockets. It is not a schedule thing. So how does this make you feel? We come into this season, we're preaching this whole pecking order thing, and what do we do? ISO, 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 we're playing hero ball, and that is just not the way that you need to approach this season. And we're, we're going to get into more like it, of a philosophy, a philosophy type of thing and a personnel thing, but just at the surface level, you cannot sustain a team like this and you run these guys into the ground. They've all been injured already. What does that tell you? They're playing way too many minutes. James Harden comes back last night. How many minutes did he play? How many minutes did he play last night? 38. He's playing 38 minutes on the first game coming back from an injury that, that kept him out a month. And he, he's playing awful. He doesn't obviously feel 100%. And we have to scratch it out and double OT and lose the game, by the way. And he had to play 38 minutes. That is awful. This is why people are, are disconnected. They thought that they were getting a new sense of life with James Harden. They thought they were getting a new sense of basketball. And this was finally going to be it. And it looks even worse. It looks even worse. Continuing on. Shout out to Brian Tapork. This is the first play we'll look at from last night's game. We were calling this game in real time. Shout out to everybody that was in the live stream. I still cannot believe this. I still cannot believe this. As Brian says right here, I can't believe this is what the Sixers ran as their final play in a tie game in regulation. Two timeouts the Sixers had. Keep that in mind. Two. They ran all the way up the floor. Doc Rivers elects not to even call one timeout and try to draw something up. He did it in overtime. He didn't do it in regulation. And this is the play. And this epitomizes the Sixers offense. I literally felt down the stretch of this game, and I said it multiple times in real time, that this was going to be the play. And I felt like I saw this play 20 consecutive times. This is all we ran last night down the stretch. Joel Embiid, James Harden, pick and roll at the top. Joel sets a little half screen, doesn't put much effort into it. And, and, you know, they Harden either dumps it to him at the free throw line or Harden tries to drive, and he, he didn't even look fully healthy and can't break down a defender off the dribble. That is what I saw last night. We're going to get to the players as well, but this is purely, this part is on Doc Rivers. No scheme, nothing, nothing. So here's the play. So James Harden up top again. Let's see if we can see it here. 
And B, going to set the screen hard in the step back. Seven seconds to go. I don't know if that was like a half shot or a half pass or what it was. But he just gives it up. This was your play in regulation. Seven seconds ago, it is a tie game. Did I even mention the fact that, oh, there's about 60,000 this game last night. Maybe you try to drive to the rim and draw a little bit of contact and get a foul. In fact, the Rockets did it in overtime. KPJ ended up missing the tying free throw. Why not drive to the basket? Why is James Harden in a game where he's like three for 15 at this point? Why is he taking the final shot on a step back three? I, I would love to know the answer to that question. He was, he was so off from the field. Your best bet here is to give it to Joel Embiid and let him go try to be a monster and get fouled or finish at the rim. Shout out to the Rockets, all their young guys. They play with effort, right? Sangoon has no mind stopping Joel Embiid. I, I just, I don't understand the methodology here, and you don't even draw anything up. And this was the whole game. Look at P.J. Tucker in the corner. Look at Tobias in the corner. The last 30 minutes of this ball game was literally Melton, Tucker, and Tobias just standing in one spot. This is what we're going to live or die on. And again, Harden settles for that and kind of gets tipped. And then Tobias and Melton watch the ball go out. They look at each other and watch the ball go out. Now, I want to resurface this quote from a couple days ago. Because this quote right here, as I said in my video a couple days ago, as I've been preaching for the last four days, I feel like nobody is talking about this except for me. I feel like nobody is talking about this. The fact that this just like slid under the radar is mind blowing to me. Shout out to Kyle Newbeck. Once again, he had a great interview. Okay. And he was asking Doc Rivers about a bunch of things. This was a direct quote. Tell me if you see the correlation from this quote to that game last night. When you have everybody, you know the sets you're going to run. You're pretty sure what you're going to do. When you don't, the amount of film work and detail increases. I think you can get a team to the last five minutes, and winning the game is what's hard down the stretch. That's what all the work goes into. What are we going to run? Who's going to be involved? What's our best lineup? What this is saying right here is that when the stars aren't in, when Shake Milton and DeAnthony Melton are running your offense, you got to be more creative because you don't have the star power. Now, I do agree with Doc Rivers that you do need a certain level of star power to win long-term in the league, right? Like you need stars, but here's the problem. And this is the direct correlation to last night. It's so predictable. You can literally predict play by play what the Sixers are going to do. And that's what Doc Rivers' philosophy is. That's what he thinks is going to get this team to the next level. And that is my main issue. That's issue number one on the, on the grand scale. The Sixers are too predictable, and they are trying to live and die in a system that will not survive. You want to know how I know it won't survive? And, and you want to know how crazy this is? Let's go to a quote from Joel Embiid last year when the Sixers played the Celtics. In fact, we played them right before they went on a massive tear where they ended up storming back, playing out of their mind, and they almost went to the NBA or they almost won the NBA finals. 
if it wasn't for Steph Curry going out of his mind, they may win the NBA Finals. But here's what Joel Embiid said last year, right after the Sixers had played him before that stretch. Shout out once again to Avi for putting this on Twitter. This was a quote from Joel Embiid. If you compare tonight from the other night, it's kind of easier to guard Boston. Hold on, let me see if I... All right. Charlotte, they move the ball extremely well, and they have shooters all over the place, and they make a bunch of jump shots. Boston is more of an ISO-heavy team, so it becomes easier to load up and try to stop them. I mean, this is crazy. This was an exact quote from Joel Embiid last year. Once again, I'll read it one more time for you. Boston is more of an ISO-heavy team, so it becomes easier to load up and try to stop them. Bingo, Joel Embiid. Bingo. Show that to Doc Rivers, because for some reason, Doc Rivers is locked in on the fact of, we're going to go all out with James and Joel, 80 possessions a game, and try to win the game that way. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Look at the Celtics. Look at the Warriors. Both teams that went to the finals last year. Watch a couple possessions of their offense. They're running uh, flare screens. They're running backdoor cuts. They're running pin downs. Anything you can think of. Steph Curry is a maestro off ball. He knows how to cut. He knows how to pop. I mean, they're moving so many integral parts at the same time. And that's how they get these open looks. Same thing with Boston, man. They're moving all around. Boston was a isocentric team, as Joel Embiid said right there. I remember talking about it last year when we played them, and instantly they started to get everybody involved in their offense, and boom, they go to the NBA Finals. But that takes me to an even higher question. Do the Sixers have the personnel to do that? So you guys know my my problem with Doc Rivers at this point. I said I wanted him gone after the New York Knicks game where we had a significant lead with six minutes to go. Paul Reed had six blocks. Doc Rivers pulled him. Sixers choked that game. I've wanted him gone since that game. And I, I just don't see a way out of it with him coaching this team. Because at this point, I don't really care about the regular season anymore. But in the regular season, you must find your identity. And right now, this team has no identity. And they have not for the entire year. And it has been brutal to watch, man. It has been brutal to watch. And I don't think it's going to change. I don't think it's going to change, which is the frustrating part. That's the frustrating part. So, you know, Doc Rivers, man, I we brought him in to be this accountable guy. We brought him in to hold everybody to a certain standard, and yet he's done the opposite. He's done the opposite. And you know why? You know why this team comes out and they play lazy against the Houston Rockets? You know why? Because they are allowed to do so. And that falls with Doc Rivers. He lets this happen just by quotes like this or when we go out and we get plastered by the Cleveland Cavaliers and he comes out and says, oh, well, that was a scheduled loss. I went in and told the team before the game that we were going to have a tough time tonight. Coaches don't do that. Why would you do that? You are setting the tone. You are setting the tone, the culture of this team. You know what? what's wrong with last night? Is that Doc Rivers didn't go into that locker room and didn't scream at anybody. He probably just said, eh, 
on to the next one. We got three days off. We're going to practice and we'll get better. Do we practice? Do we get better? Or are we going to run the same exact thing? Because James Harden isn't good enough to be the old James Harden. Maybe Houston Harden could run this offense, but no, we don't have that Harden. We have a Harden that can be efficient scoring at times and also diming up teammates. And that's where you think about Tyrese Maxey, who isn't even in right now. But when he comes back, let me ask you, Sixer Nation, do you think he's going to be highly involved in the offense? Because in the first 10 games of the year, I saw Tyrese Maxey standing around a lot. And maybe that's my flaw. Maybe I believe too much in Doc Rivers and I listen to all the practices. But here's my frustrating part, man. The Sixers are not doing anything other than a few simple things, a few textbook things. Right? I thought we were going to run Maxi and Embiid pick and rolls. I thought we were going to run Maxi Tobias pick and rolls. I thought we'd have PJ setting these flare screens or cutting to the basket. How about the PJ around the rim game? And you, and you know, somebody said something to me a couple months ago that really stuck with me. Because the Sixers went out, they got all these dog players, right? Somebody said to me, you know, the reason guys come here and they don't look as good as where they did before is because instead of bringing their toughness and mentality, they adapt to the culture that's already established. And I can't get that out of my head. P.J. Tucker is not this bad. I promise you that. He's playing awful right now. He had no points last night. In double OT, scored his first bucket with three minutes to go. He is not that bad. But here's the thing. He's sitting in a corner all game. I haven't seen him touch the ball around the rim. I see him get lost on defense. He looks like he's stumbling upon everything. He doesn't know what to do. De'Anthony Melton had four shots last night in regulation. That's a guy who was touching the ball 15 times when everybody else was out. Ball movement was crisp. Communication was clear. No identity. Guys don't know their roles. They're lost. That's my problem with that. And PJ has been so disappointing, and I feel like he doesn't know because a guy of his caliber who has won a championship should know his role. He should at least be able to impact the game, and he has not by any means. And that is frustrating. Mr. 89 with the $5 donation. Thank you for that, man. Toby was seven for eight from deep. Fourth quarter came, and we went away from the hot hand. We need to learn to trust others to take the big shot. Exactly. And you know what's funny? Tobias Harris and DeAnthony Melton don't get the ball the entire fourth quarter. Like I said, we ran the same play every time down the stretch. And you know what's funny? They touch the ball in overtime, and they both get a bucket on their first touch. But then we go away from it. We go away from it again. And I can't stand it. So those are my gripes with Doc Rivers. He sets a terrible tone and culture. Sixers need some spice. They need to shake it up. And the other thing is that we, we don't have a playbook. We don't try anything new. We don't implement anything. We were forced to, as you can see in this quote again, we were forced to do it when we had a lack of talent on the team. And that's why Doc Rivers, it is clear as day to me, can coach guys that aren't stars, but he can't coach stars. This is why Kawhi and PG were pissed off and, and why that whole thing fell apart in L.A. He can't coach stars. He doesn't do anything beyond the surface, and that is a huge problem for this team. And let me ask you, are you confident in this team with this offense going into the playoffs? It's so frustrating, man. 
We don't do anything beyond the norm. And I feel like we have more talent that could be utilized here. Maybe we don't have enough. Maybe that is the next question. Can Joel Embiid, can James Harden run, you know, a different style of offense? Can we play different? Or is it upon them? Maybe it's on their ego. And we're going to get to the phones in a few minutes. There's a lot I want to go over. I, I want to play three plays for you guys real quick. And I, I just want to break them down and show you how bad the fundamentals are. Because I'm starting to look at the players as well. And maybe that's past due. But Joel Embiid late in, late in the game in overtime has two terrible turnovers. One off his one foot and he throws it to nobody out of bounds. Then he turns it over again. What, where's the crisp Embiid, man? I know he had 39, and he played good defense at times. There's times where he lets balls go by, but then again, I'm thinking, you know, his utilization rate is so high, maybe he's gassed, and he's playing 40 minutes a game, which shouldn't happen, and there's, there's so many factors. This team's defense got so much worse when these guys came back, and that should not happen. But Joel Embiid, you can't make those turnovers. Simply put, you can't make those turnovers. James Harden had a couple terrible turnovers and, you know, the step back and all this and just not efficient. And, you know, I said it a couple days ago on Twitter. I said, when, when Harden and Maxi come back, will this team look better? And everybody said, yeah, 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 you're overthinking it. Joel Embiid's back. He's in shape. Well, guess what? You actually have to run some sets to get production. There's no way we should have been scratching with that team last night, man. No way at all. No way at all. Hit the like button, guys. Thank you all for being in here. We'll get to the phone soon. I really want to hear from Sixer Nation. We got a couple callers on the line, but um, actually, you know what? We'll, we'll take a couple calls because I'm, I'm tired of talking. We'll take a few calls, and then I want to break down some film and show you guys exactly how bad it has been. So we'll take a few calls, and then we'll, we'll get to the film breakdown. All right, let's go to the line. Let, let's see how Sixer Nation is feeling. Call, in, call into the show, all right? 508-924-3784. Be sure you have the stream audio down so I can actually hear you. Uh, but yeah, man, let, let's hear somebody voice off. Let's go to uh, Dan. Dan on the line. Dan, what's going on? Hey, RB, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing good, man. Hey, um, happy holidays to you, man. And I've been listening to you, man. And I got to tell you this, man. They got to fire uh, Doc Rivers. They got to get a whole new coach. Because I was listening to um, uh, Philly's pod, and they said a uh, reporter from the Philly Voice yeah. was listening to Doc and asked Doc the question about the uh, – the zone that they play. He said, we practice the zone every day. To make a long story short, when they interviewed Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris said, we don't practice the zone every day. And whatever we practice don't work. They so don't you practice. see that conflict man. between the player and the coach. Yep. And if you ever notice, they play like that. They play like they got a conflict between the coach and the team. And there's also a conflict between Harden and Embiid. What you think about that, man? Those two beta are two alphas, and they're clashing against each other, you know. Their styles of plays is never going to work. Yeah, I mean. Never going to work. Yeah, it's tough. I, I think that, um, you know, they're having a tough time trying to 
nail down how to exactly play with each other. And I feel like it looks the same it did in game one. You know, like Doc Rivers praised this whole pecking order thing. And, you know, there it feels like it's supposed to be a your turn, my turn thing. And that's not how it should be. And maybe you're right. Maybe they can't play together. Maybe that's where we're at at this point. Hey, let me ask you something, IB. Do you feel the same way? Do your instincts feel the same that you felt about Ben Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid playing together between Harden and Embiid playing together? Do you think that they can they can practice together and play together? Yeah, I I would not compare the two. I think uh, the Ben Simmons thing. I think that's more of a. He didn't want to get better. He didn't want to try to fit in. I think Harden is trying to fit in. I just think it's an awkward fit right now. And I think you got to come up with something different. Um, I think they're trying to make it work. I think Embiid and Harden personally have a good relationship. But I think on the court, they're just not fitting well. And they're just going ISO heavy. And, and they're just, it's just not working. They're just not in shape. And they're not ready to do that. So maybe they, maybe they can't do that. Maybe they have to come up with a different style of ball. Maybe we need to come up with a different coach. I, I agree that? with you. I agree. I agree hey, because it's not working, hey, man. Because I'm going I'm to tell you this, and then I'm going I'm to get off the line for all the callers. But everybody knows, you know and I know, that yesterday Tobias Harris had the hot hand. He did. And when it came down to it, when it came down to it, we had to have some kind of hero, and the hero had to be hardened, trying to iso ball, and be trying to iso ball instead of passing it off there to Tobias that was in the corner of somebody else. This team is a wreck, man. Yep. And I don't know if we can live with it. And I don't know what's going to happen. Giving up Basti and Joe. <laughs> I don't know what to say, man. So I'm going to let you have an RB, okay? Appreciate it, man. Hey, great call, Dan. Shout out to Dan. He's right. He's right. I mean, we're having some, uh, you know, philosophy issues, but maybe, maybe the pieces don't fit of the puzzle. Maybe the pieces don't fit. I have something to say about Isaiah Joe yesterday. He went off. Um, but, you know, people actually think that I, I don't put any blame on Daryl Morey. Well, I'm starting to put some blame on him, too. I'm going to tell you more after this. Uh, let's go back to the line, though. 727 on the line. Let's go to 727. What's going on? RB, how's it going? It's been a minute. It's Sean. How you doing? Sean, how you doing, man? How you feeling? Oh, all right. Hey, I caught a little bit of your show here. I just wanted to chime in, probably review some of the things you've said already. But look, watching the Sixers as I have, of course, the biggest issue right now is the dope of a coach that they had. (laughs) I'm honestly surprised that Rivers wasn't fired after the playoff elimination last year. I mean, you, you touched on it tonight. You've got a team of individuals not playing as a team. You have an offense that's stagnant, that doesn't move. And you ever notice in a close game when this guy goes to the whiteboard at the end of the game and he's drawing up plays and crayon and the game's (laughs) on the line? What's the common denominator? None of them work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I, I would elevate Dave Yeager to that position and take my chances. I mean, this team hasn't had a real coach since Larry Brown. And Larry Brown today at 157 years old could step in and do a better job than Doc Rivers ever could. He, he would hold the guys accountable. I know that. 
I know that. That's what we brought Doc in for, and he, he, he just has done the opposite. And and the one thing that really gets me about Doc is he never takes personal accountability. I've never heard him do it once. Right, right. I mean, he's got the well-earned reputation of being a choking dog. I mean, you could give him a filet mignon roster and he'd turn it into table scraps in five minutes. Here's my other big complaint, and this really frosts me. I'm watching, granted, it's Summer League, a guy like Isaiah Joe in Las Vegas shooting shots from Reno and hitting nothing but net. And you let him walk away for nothing on a team with no shooters. You let Charles Bassey walk away for nothing. And these guys are balling in other places. Are we that talented where we can afford to have those type of roster mistakes? I ask myself the same thing every single day. It makes no sense. You got nothing in return. Meanwhile, you have Jaden Springer rotting on the bench. You have Matisse Thibel, who plays three minutes in the first half, doesn't play to the fourth quarter. And uh, I agree with you 100%. These guys go elsewhere. Isaiah Joe was going off last night. They've broken records with new teams. I'm not saying they're going to be all-stars or set the world on fire, but you have guys that could give some young life, some young blood, and they are now gone, and um, it makes no sense at all. It, it I, I honestly think they got ran out, and it's, it's a problem I see with Daryl Morey, which is what I'm actually about to get into, but, you know, how do you not give these guys an opportunity? I don't understand. You, we are so old. We are so slow right now. We can't do anything. It looks like it takes us a year to get up the floor, and you have guys that could, could really try to change that up a little bit, that identity, and they're gone. They're gone. All I know is this in closing. Joel Embiid is to the 76ers what Bryce Harper is to the Phillies. You got two guys who are breaking down physically, and it's win-now time. Every year that Joel Embiid does not win a championship puts him closer to never winning a championship. He's not going to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and play until he's 40. Blink and he's going to be gone. So if they don't get their crap together, I mean, you need a coach that is going to teach the movement on the offensive end of the floor. You've got to get some rebounders in there. You've got to get some shooters in there, some wing defenders with a little bit of size. I mean, I, I've touched on it many times with you. I grew up with the Sixers in the 70s and the 80s, and even those teams that didn't win titles would dust the floor with this current model. You think that Joel Embiid and these guys could take a game off the 80 or 81 Sixers, a team that didn't win a title but was loaded with all-stars? You're kidding yourself. Get a coach, start there, and let's see what happens. Like I said, I would bring Dave Yeager in yesterday and take a shot. Yeah. Get Rivers out while you still can. Yeah, I agree. Sean, appreciate the call, man. A-plus call. Rate that call, man. A-plus for me. He's exactly right. He is exactly right. I'm so glad people are calling in, like, you know, confirming that everybody should be feeling this way because, you know, it's just, it's crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy. You know what's wild, man? In terms of the Daryl Morey thing, a lot of people, you know, they, they know I, at, at some point I, I haven't blamed Daryl Morey for a lot of stuff, but there is one key thing 
that I'm really frustrated with Daryl Morey about. And I, I kind of alluded to it a couple weeks ago. Daryl Morey's got to grow a pair. Okay, I'm just going to say it in this one area. Here's what happened, guys. Daryl Morey let Doc Rivers run his draft picks off the floor. Because like Sean just said, shout out to the call, man. Sean just said, in Summer League, we watched Isaiah Joe. I forget how many points he had. I remember he had like five threes, six threes one game. He was shooting lights out. Bassey was a little bit underwhelming, but we saw potential with Bassey before in a couple big games. The Sixers had guys that can actually move up the floor quicker than P.J. Tucker and Tobias Harris. I'm not saying they're going to be all-stars. I'm saying that you have to hit on some of these young players. You have to build from within, and you need a little bit of a shakeup. How fast did we play when all of our stars were out? How, how great did it look? People have been saying all day that that was the only fun stretch of the season because we're moving up the floor. Guys are spacing out. I'm watching the Yang put it on the floor. I'm watching Shake Milton push the pace, man. And now it feels like we're playing like dinosaurs. And you had guys like Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey and Doc Rivers, I guess, said, no, I'm not going to play them. And Daryl Morey, here's my issue with you. You caved in. A lot of people might be pissed off with Daryl Morey. They're going to say, oh, he didn't do enough this offseason. What do you want him to do? All right. Look at how much salary is committed to our top players and ask yourself, what else can you do? more than make marginal improvements. Well, he got his favorite guy to take a pay cut, and that allowed us to get P.J. Tucker, who's supposed to bring toughness and defense. That hasn't happened. DeAnthony Melton he brought in, who's been solid. And, and, you know, some of these, again, not all the guys you bring in you have to play. You got to weed it out as the coach and find the right pieces and give them opportunity to shine. And when you do, for example, when you did during this nine-game stretch, and you win seven games, you give these guys opportunity. I'm still trying to question what's going on with Matisse Thibel. Like I, like I said a couple minutes ago, he plays three minutes in the first half, then he doesn't come in till he's cold in the fourth quarter. Paul Reed plays six minutes. He gets yanked. Trez comes in cold in the fourth. Trez hadn't played in four games. How is he supposed to get a rhythm going? How is he supposed to get a rhythm going? That's my issue with Daryl Morey. You had pieces, you let them go, and the pieces that you did bring in, there's no sense of linear communication with the coach. The coach has one idea, the GM has another. Or Daryl Morey is just sitting there and saying, you know what, Doc's the coach, I got trust in him, he'll do his thing. This is a problem from the top down. It doesn't matter who we bring in, it, it, it hasn't worked. Right now, we wouldn't have any business going up against the Bucs and the Celtics. And you know what's the difference? What the difference is between the Bucs and us, between the Celtics and us? The Celtics are going out there and ravaging every team. It doesn't matter if it's a Monday night against the Rockets. They're going out there. They're handling business because they got a taste of the finals. They got a sniff of what it was like. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting back there. We're not settling. The Sixers are so, they're playing like they're entitled. They're playing like they've won three championships and they they can just waltz around and get to the postseason and be fine like the Warriors. They can't. And that is what's very frustrating right now. That's what's very frustrating. 
So anyway, let's look at a couple plays. Then we'll go back to the phone lines. And, and I want to end with an article from Kyle Newbeck later on, um, where Kyle Newbeck, who is the main Sixers reporter, is physically calling this team out. It's not just me. It's not just you. Everybody is on this kind of level now where it's like, this is getting out of hand. This is getting out of hand. But anyway, here's play number one. Proof number one as to what the Sixers are. Okay? This is the play I saw about 20 times in a row last night. This is the Sixers offense in a nutshell. Look at this play. Joel Embiid ISO. And everybody stands around. By the way, this is a minute and nine to go in OT. I get it. Maybe you're trying to play hero ball, but don't get fooled here. This is what we did the entire final 20 minutes of the game. Let's bring it back a little bit. What did I say earlier? James Harden, Joel Embiid pick and roll. Joel sets a little half screen. James drives and look at that. Dumps it off. And look at this. You want to know why P.J. Tucker, why DeAnthony Melton can't get going the last couple games? Because look at what they're doing. Nothing. They stand around. This is what the Sixers' modern idea of an offense is with James Harden and Joel Embiid. This is what it is. The Rockets can literally close in two defenders, can force it to push out. They don't even have to. They're in the perfect position. P.J. crowding the dunker spot. I don't think he's ever touched the ball down there. And that's what this has come to. This is the Sixers offense in a nutshell. This is what Doc Rivers wants to ride out every game with. If Tyrese Maxey was in the game, you know where he'd be standing? Right where DeAnthony Melton is. And Joel Embiid... He got down the game last night, down the stretch, and and there were double teams coming. He started to try to go hero mode. He wasn't passing it off. He was playing selfish last night. James was playing selfish as he went four for 19. If the coach isn't going to do it, you got to look yourself in the, in the mirror and try to figure something out. No, you're, you're drilling it into the ground. Joel Embiid is so talented. So talented. James Harden is talented. They got to come up with something better than this. Now, let's talk about the Sixers defense. That's the main issue. That's the main issue, honestly. Tobias had 27 and beat at 39. How many layups did you see last night where the Sixers just let them go right in? Right in. Not untouched. Now, Joel Embiid late in the game had five fouls, so he's trying to back off and play defense. Nobody else showed effort. The Rockets had, what, like 10 to 15 offensive rebounds? We gave up 20 the game before against Memphis. That shouldn't happen. Those are the little things that make a team great. No hustle. Here's the Sixers' defense in a nutshell. Play number one. Jalen Green going to drive right past Melton and Tucker and Embiid, no communication, out of position. Let's run it back. Let's look at this again. So once again, Jalen Green up top. I don't know what this philosophy is right here. Joel Embiid sitting in drop coverage all game, right? But here he's just sitting in the paint. Had a couple three-second violations as well. 
So the Houston Rockets going to run a little action. And you see guys cutting, right? Number one's going to rotate up to the top. They're actually moving their guys. They're young. They're quick. They're athletic. Somehow Melton lets him penetrate the first level of defense. Green drives. Now look at this. Look at this backdoor cut. Joel Embiid is not guarding a man right now. And Melton tried to cave in, or Harden tried to cave in a little bit. So Tucker is left with two men. And if we take it back a little bit, Tucker and Embiid are not communicating. Why is there no communication at this point? Is Joel, and look at this, Joel's just sitting there, ready for the guy to come in and take a little floater. So Embiid's guarding the rim when the Houston Rockets and every other team, every game, just rely on 10-foot floaters, and we don't contest. No communication right here. And then PJ's looking. He doesn't know what to do. He's got two men. And look at this. Guy takes one step back. No movement. Tucker stays flat-footed. Embiid stays flat-footed. Look, he, if Jalen Green took a floater right here, guess what? It would have went in. It would have went in right here. But he says, nah, I'll take an easy two. And look at P.J. Tucker stumble as the backdoor cut goes. And P.J. just watches the whole play break down. That is not the P.J. Tucker I know or that I've seen in years past. That is crazy. That is crazy. I've never seen P.J. Tucker make a mistake like that. That is not, that's literally the one thing he's known for is playing tough nose defense. And the other play. Let's break this one down. Misses the three. Rockets go right back up and get it. But let's watch how this actually happened, okay? <laughs> so look who it is 45 year old Eric Gordon. Daniel House, and look where Embiid's playing. He's, he's laying back. He's laying back. Gordon comes around the screen. And what happens with Embiid? He says, nope. He says, nope. Not even going to contest. No switches, nothing. Embiid says, all right, I'll go to the rim. But here's the problem. Luckily, you missed. You get a miss from Eric Gordon. Joel Embiid lets that Houston Rocket penetrate right there. He lets that Rocket get right into his sweet spot, boxing out Joe, and he doesn't even go for it. And and look at P.J. Tucker right here. P.J. Tucker is under the rim. <laughs> He's under the rim. How does he not get the rebound? Well, there's a little thing in sports. It's called a heart and hustle. Now, look at this. I don't even know. I don't even know who that is. Bruno Fernando comes right in, tips it, misses. Look at PJ. He's just looking up. It's like at this moment, you know you're done. And another Houston Rocket comes right in and cleans it right up. That is so bad as a defense. But do they look at these things, man? Probably not. Probably not. It is frustrating to watch. It really is. It really is, man. Those are just a couple of the plays. There was a lot more uh, that happened last night. 
And it, it's just, it's, it's spiraling out of control. You felt good. You, you were three games above 500 and now three bad losses in a row. And it's like, you got to turn this thing around now. You got to turn this thing around now. Once again, call into the show 508-924-3784 if you want to give your thoughts. I want to know from you guys in the chat. One word to describe this Sixers season so far. 24 games in, 12 and 12. A lot of injuries. A lot going on. The only positive that I've seen from this team so far this year is that their depth, when given an opportunity, balled out. Won seven out of nine games. That's literally the only positive I've seen. Nothing has lived up to the hype. This team needs a wake-up call. They need a reality check. Whatever it's going to take, whether that's somebody breaking a clipboard, benching somebody, I don't know what it is. Firing, whatever. Somebody needs a wake-up call. This team needs a change in scheme. They need an identity. They need to figure out what to do here because... You can't keep this going like this. You can't keep this going like this. Do we even have what it takes? Or are we just that bad? Maybe it's a personnel thing. Maybe we got to retool and start over. I don't know. You let me know in the chat. Before I read some of those words and get back to the phone lines, let me give a quick shout out to tonight's sponsor. Shout out to Manscaped for presenting tonight's show. Manscaped, the leading provider of Below the Waist Men's Grooming Products. They're doing a huge holiday sale, 20% off on every item and free shipping. Big Christmas sale on manscaped.com. Their Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop with all of their items included. They have each item from the best-selling performance package plus uh, body wash, two-in-one shampoo, conditioner. They just sent me all these items. They are flawless, I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen. They even have the ultra-premium deodorant. We know that these Christmas parties, all these holiday season stuff is coming up, and you want to be sure you're on top of your hygiene game in case you meet a little nice lady under the mistletoe. So shout out to my fellas. Go get yourself one of these lawnmower 4.0s, cutting-edge ceramic blade. It literally has a flashlight on the device and skin-safe technology to take your grooming experience to another level. Manscaped has you covered. Click that link in the description or pinned in the chat. and. Uh, Go check out manscaped.com. Get something in time for the holidays. Like I said, big 20% off sale on everything and free shipping. Use promo code PhillyTake. Shout out to Manscaped. All right. I want to talk about this article, but before we do that, I want to go back to the phone lines and uh, hear from more of Sixer Nation. So once again, call into the show. I want to hear from you guys. All right. I want to hear from you guys. What is the biggest issue with this team? Why? Are they at where they are at? So we'll get to my guy Joe on the phone line in a second. Uh, Let's see. Daniel says disappointing in the chat. Superhero says we're too old. Matt says wasted, pathetic, crappy, rivers, bad coaching. Gary says suck. Exotic says typical, terrible coaching. Man, Lee says sad. Let's see. Matt, yeah, they can send anywhere, man. They can send anywhere, man. Definitely check it out. Pizza's new coach. Gary says Harding gone. No ball movement. Florence's chemistry. All right, let's see what my guy on the phone line thinks. Let's go to Joe. Joe, what's going on, man? 
What's good, RB? What up, Joe? How you feeling, man? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I think we last talked on your birthday, and uh, both of us were convinced that the pieces could work if our coach could make them work, and neither of us were really convinced that the coach could make them work. Yeah, those those were good times, man. That's the case. Those were good times. Those off season vibes, and you know all this hype, all this talk leading up to the season, and and this is the product we get so far. It's frustrating, man. Yeah, it's horrible. I I, I agree with the earlier caller, Sean. That I mean, I don't know about Dave Yeager over Sam Cassell. You know, I'm not. uh, I wouldn't say I'm knowledgeable enough to say that's who you should choose between the two, but. Anyone would be better. I mean, hell, they could hire you to be the coach. It would be much better than it is now. <laughs> hey, man, I'm here. I'm available. Nah, but uh, what what do you, do you think it do you think it's the coach only? Are you looking at Joel and B, James Harden? Are you looking at some of the moves Daryl Morey made? Because it feels to me like there's like a, a big pool of answers. It seems like the majority is Doc Rivers, but do you think this is just a full culmination of everything that has led up to this point, or? Or do you think it's solely we we get a, a coaching change in here and boom, we're going to be ready to go? I think it depends on was Doc Rivers the one who was making the decision to let someone like Isaiah Joe go? And I don't know. I've just never seen like talented players look so miserable to be playing for yeah. someone. Like they don't – when he talks, they, like, they actually visually look like they don't want to hear him speaking. Yeah, I mean, that's the vibe I kind of get off. And and to your point about the draft picks, you know, Daryl Morey drafted these guys. And in fact, before he signed Montrezl Harrell, which Doc probably had input on, he said we were going into the season with Charles Bassey as our backup center. Did he not? So now two months later, yeah. he's cut. He's cut. Like, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, so if, if Doc Rivers was behind those decisions, then yeah, it's it's all him. Now, like, obviously the players have some responsibility, but, like, you know, ask anyone who, who's even played recreational sports, you know, like in a kid's rec league, if your coach just says, go out and do whatever you want, you're just going to go out and do whatever you want. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like just throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks at this point. It, there's no creativity at all. Yeah, and I've seen, you know, in your in your streams, I've seen a lot of people saying that we should trade Joel. That's trade ridiculous. James Harden. Like, that's that's ridiculous. Like, what you should do is trade the coach. Just send him home. I, I doubt anyone <laughs> would want him in the first place. But, yeah, just yeah. No, get that's, rid of him and yeah. get a real coach and yeah. see what you have. That's ridiculous. What What those people don't understand, because they've probably been only watching for the last year and a half, is that this is supposed to be our final shot. We, we don't have a lot of assets. We don't have a lot of draft picks. We had to clear off contracts to get this team where it's at right now, So it, which is why I honestly think they're just going to try to push through it, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, man, you, you can't just go train. Every, it, it's just a, a terrible take. Um, you got to find a way to no, get it figured out Joel's with this court. one of the, the, the most skilled big men, if not the most skilled big men, to ever pick up a basketball and you want to trade him? Yeah. Like, it, no. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't agree with that. But, you know, you got to have a coach who knows how to actually make the pieces fit together. And as happy as I was that Brett Brown is no longer the coach, I wasn't real excited about Doc Rivers, and neither were you if I remember correctly. But you I, could get Ime Adoka. He's just sitting there doing nothing. 
Yeah, I, I was actually high on Doc when we first hired him, but I thought he was going to come in and try to bring a little bit of accountability. Let's go. I thought he was going to try to come in and at least set the tone a little bit, but what did he come in and do? He babied Ben Simmons. He said everything was okay, and he maliciously attacked the media after they tried to criticize one little move, and he has done that for his entire tenure. Like it, it does. Yeah, it no, blows he my mind. Take any sort of criticism. I still remember him saying, "Well, would you ask Greg Popovich that question?" And the yeah, reporter, yeah, amazingly yeah. enough, was like, "Yeah, I would, but yeah. you're not Greg Popovich, dude." It, it's that. It's like, the Paul Reed victory tour. It's the Keith Pompey. You never played basketball, so you don't know what you're talking about. Like it's, it, it's, it's the D line and stuff. Like it's so annoying between Ben and him. Yeah, how and many I, times we were told that we didn't know basketball? Yet everything we've said has played out. Yeah, and like I knew, I know enough to know last year in the playoffs, you shouldn't be playing broke down, fossilized DeAndre Jordan <laughs> when he has like the worst plus minus that anyone's ever seen. And it was clear that he was getting toasted. And after the first game, all of us were like, oh, well, at least he's probably not going to play him again. And then he immediately comes out and says, yeah, I'm playing him whether you like it or not. Yeah. Like, well, it's not. We don't like it. <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. No pulse, nothing with the city. No no sense of feeling, man. And you could tell, man, it, it's died over with this fan base. They want it done. They want it gone. So, Do you think frustrated. they're going to get rid of them? Like, do you think they're going if to, if it keeps being this bad, do you think they're trying to wait for All-Star break to see who else is available? Or do you think the owner just doesn't want to pony up for two coaches? Or, like, what do you, what do you think's going on there? What I personally believe, and we're going to get into an article soon here, um, but I, I think they're going to keep it how it is unless it was to take a full dive where the Sixers just go and lose like eight in a row or something like that. I think it's going to be the same thing. I think they're trying to keep this together for one more run, hoping that it'll turn around. I just oh, don't believe God. it will, which is unfortunate. Well, honestly, then I kind of hope they lose eight in a row. Because you can and, yeah. stat, like look what the Celtics did last year. Like you can be bad in the beginning of the year, get a you know a breath of fresh air and completely turn it around. Like if Doc getting fired means they need to lose eight in a row, I really hope they lose eight in a row. Yeah, and and, and the Celtics went on a big losing streak last year, and then they took a minute of self reflection and completely changed the way they were playing offense, and they were fine, and they went to the finals. But I don't think Doc's going to do that. Yeah, I think he's stuck in that way. No, I think he needs to go. I, I really think he needs to go. I've never been more confused by what I've seen the coach doing. I'm not a guru of, of basketball, but like I know that it's simple stuff. Lineups man. that he's running and and taking people out and putting them back in for like two and a half minutes just to yeah. take them out. Like he, I think he enjoys benching Paul Reed whenever he fouls someone. Yeah. Like he's teaching them a lesson. Simple stuff, man. So he's not going to get any better if you keep yanking him. Yep, simple stuff, man. We can all see it. But Joe, appreciate the call, man. Yeah, you too. Take it easy, RB. Thanks, Joe. Shout out to my guy, uh, Run It Back Philly, DJ in the house with the $5 Super Chat. Appreciate that, man. It says, get the Super Chats going. Harden sits for a month, comes back, plays 38 minutes, shoots four for 19, and the Sixers go to him with the game on the line twice. Unreal, man. You just can't draw it up. You can't. You, you just can't even believe it. They go to Harden with the game on the line. It's a tie game. They don't call a timeout. They have two remaining with 15 seconds to go. And instead of even trying to drive to the basket and draw a foul, maybe, in a game where there was 61 fouls, Sixers just sit back 
They try a little fade away, whether it was a pass or a shot or whatever it was, and they blow that opportunity. You know, what's funny is that they actually tried to draw up a play at the end of OT and it almost worked. It like we actually drew something up, but that's one in a million. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. As I said, though, you know, when these guys come back, it's like. When well, let me ask you guys this, when Tyrese Maxey comes back, do you think he's going to be highly involved in the offense? What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Because right now we have a lot of organizational issues. We have a lot of organizational issues right now, and it is frustrating as heck to watch this team play. There's no way that the product on the floor, when everybody is out, should look 10 times better than when everybody's healthy. The last thing that I want to talk about here tonight is an article, and then we'll, we'll go if we have any final callers. We'll, uh, we'll take a few calls. But Kyle Newbeck, the guy that had the interview a couple days ago with the quote from Doc Rivers, he put out an article today, and I want you guys to really just listen, all right? Whatever side of the situation you're on, whether you think it's all Doc, whether you think it's all Joel, whether you think it's James, whatever you think it is, I want you to listen to what Kyle Newbeck said in this article, because I feel like it's just pure emotion. This guy's been covering the team for years. He keeps it real, man. And here, here was the article he put out today. Here's the title. Why are the Sixers so miserable to watch this season? Let's read a couple quotes from this article. When I returned to cover the Sixers after traveling across the world for the first week and a half, the sense of doom was palpable. They were ready to fire the head coach, were concerned the off-season additions weren't good enough, and went through a here-we-go-again moment with the star center who began the season with fatigue, blah, blah, blah. That was mid-October. It is now early December, and the needle has moved very little for full-strength or at least close to full-strength Sixers. This is exactly what I've been saying. People are out there saying, oh, you're overreacting. Oh, we'll be fine. I can't say that. What evidence do I have to go off of that this team is going to be okay? And it's crazy because I was the only one last year who said in in a huge roundtable, there was a lot of people and I, I brought up the idea and I said, yo, if we don't get this thing figured out, man, this could be the end of this, this core, this chance. And it feels like we're taking a nosedive right now. But anyway, Kyle Newbeck feels the same way. He feels like it's going downhill. The fan base wants the coach fired. P.J. Tucker benched. For James Harden to be a guy he hasn't been in a while. And for Embiid to stop hampering himself with the same mistakes he made as a wide-eyed rookie learning the sport. That is cold stuff. But anyway, let's let's move down here. Let's move down here. He talks about how the Philly sports, you know, are doing well and how that kind of highlights it even more. But listen to this, man. To me, the biggest thing that falls in in River's lap is the air of entitlement the Sixers seem to carry themselves with when they are fully healthy. This is not a team that has earned any real trust or respect from the league at large, yet the product on the floor 
suggest they are above building the habits and the chemistry of the teams they need to surpass to get out of the second round of the playoffs. I could not have said it better myself. That is a great way to describe it, man. Entitlement. Entitlement. That's the best way to describe it. They haven't earned real trust or respect from the league at large. They're out here running around, doing what they have to do. They, this is what they think. They'll go three quarters, and then they get down to the fourth quarter, and oh, okay, now we'll get serious. Well, guess what? It's too late. It's too late against a six-win Rockets team who's fueling, and, they, and they're hungry for a win because they're not going to get them often. That's the problem. And you know what's even crazier? Like I said earlier in the show, there will be no consequences for the way they played last night. Doc Rivers sets this tone. He allows this type of culture when he says there's a scheduled loss or after the second game of the year where he said, we're not ready to win as a team. That was after a whole offseason of expectation. He sets this kind of tone. This entitlement when he's out here bragging and, and you know not taking accountability, he sets that. It, it, it is a top-down thing. And it flows throughout the organization. And it's on everybody at this point. Every guy needs to take a look in the mirror. As Kyle says here, press conference answers will only tell you so much about a team, but can you but you can trace the defiance of would you ask Pop that question through the team's play? This group not showing any real urgency to shed their reputation as a talented but ultimately toothless pseudo contender. Mm. And echoing one of the first calls of the show, Rivers stood in front of a microphone recently and said that they work on zone defense every day, only for one of his players to immediately note during his own presser that they hardly work on it and it wasn't that successful in the game in question. Breaking news, guys. The Sixers do not practice defense. They don't practice. They don't practice. This is how you know it's bad. Like my guy uh, Vic said on the first call, this is how you know there's a disconnect. Have you ever seen one of the players in a press conference even come out voluntarily and say, you know, we ride for Doc Rivers, man. That's our guy. We're running, we're, we're running through a wall for him. No. No. During timeouts, I see these guys talking to Sam Cassell. Doc Rivers says a couple things. A guy walks away. I don't really see much communication. And again, it bleeds down through the players, through the roster. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And now the disappointing part. I know there's been a lot of negativity tonight. I'm, I'm sorry. All right. This has been building up for a while. And I'm just, look, I'm not here to be positive or negative. I'm here to tell you what I'm seeing and listen to what you're seeing as well. Now, here's the worst part of it, guys. Listen up very closely. To this point, though, the Sixers have not even entertained the idea that coaching is the central problem or that Rivers could move on. Kyle Newbeck has sources this close to the team. He is like this. When he reports something, it's usually true. He reported that whole thing about Tyrese Halliburton 
he knew it was dead on. The Sixers have not entertained the idea that coaching is the central problem or that Rivers could move on. To me, this is why I said earlier that it's not going to change. The Sixers view this as that last hump to get over, that last chance, and they are just going to ride this into the ground until it either dies or they have to get new life. They're going to have to hope and pray somehow, some way, that everybody looks in the mirror and that a change comes because other than the roster, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I think we all know it's kind of due at this point and maybe you could have a Phillies type run. Maybe you could have a, a Rob Thompson-ish run with a Sam Cassell or a Dave Yeager. Maybe it's worth the try, but the Sixers are not going to do it. Kyle Newbeck says it right here. It is. I mean, it's pretty much confirmed that like I said, unless the Sixers go on a terrible streak, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest here, just my opinion. It felt earlier this season that we were getting close to a switch up. When we came out and we played the first 10 games of the year the way we did, it felt like, okay, even after one and four, it was like something might have to happen here. But he gets bailed out again. Sixers players go out, the bench comes in, he gets rewarded. And, and he does deserve some credit, but he gets absolutely rewarded for those guys going on that type of stretch that they did. And uh, I don't think it's going to change. Looking at Daryl Morey's history, he has given coaches time and patience to figure things out, which I believe is about future hiring as much as it is about his belief in said coaches. By the way, Dan Tony, he's sitting at home or on a bench somewhere. He was supposed to be the coach of the Hornets, Mike D'Antoni. I don't think he got another job. Maybe he's like a bench coach somewhere. Let me know if you know in the chat. Um, Daryl Morey definitely still has contact with Mike D'Antoni. I could see him trying to bring him in, and boy, that would be a mess. That would be a mess, too. The organization's approach to this point, one of solidarity and we'll figure this out together, has turned off the portion of the fan base that is ready to see a new coach in charge, whether it makes a difference or not. And I think this is the main question. Do the Sixers view this as we try to figure it out and go for one last run? Or do they see the inevitable coming and they get ahead of it for once and they say, we're going to do the unthinkable. We're going to promote from within, make a, a, a spark of a change and try to get this thing back on track. Because here we are, here we are eight years after the process, 10 years after the process. Here we are. This is what we have as a result. I think that we've tried to you know push all buttons, but in a lot of ways, we are limited as an organization. And that is the, the ultimate final problem. It has been a trickling effect. The Sixers' ownership has had too much say at times. They haven't been as quick on making decisions. And, and it has kind of, again, set the culture year after year after year. Bad decision after bad decision. Uh, shout out to, I, I forget who it was who actually posted it, but everybody was commenting on this picture today uh, of a Sixers fan who was, who was posting a picture from the Jimmy Butler team, and they were saying, man, this team used to be fun to watch. We could at least get excited, even if we didn't win it all. 
And they were kind of talking about how we're not having fun watching this team at all. And you know what's crazy? If one guy had worked on his game or another guy didn't forget how to shoot a month before the season or this happened or this happened or you didn't let the, the heart of the team and Jimmy Butler walk away, all these little things, this team could have had their final goal and their final possession. I'm not saying it's out of the water now. I think you have pieces that can still get you to that point. What I'm saying is, damn, we were close. Damn, we were close. And it is frustrating, man. It is frustrating. There, there has been a, a certain way, a certain process that this team and organization have done things, and it needs to change. It needs to change or else we're going to keep finding ourselves in this same situation. We can't go back and, and, and restart and, and get rid of everybody. We're not going to do that. We can't afford that. We can't do that. We know Maxi and Embiid are going to be the future of this team. But for an offseason where you felt like you were going to push all the buttons and this was going to be a, a legit contender, it has not felt anything close like that. The good news is that they have time to turn it around and try to get this on the right track. The bad news is we don't really feel confident in the people to do so right now because. History repeats itself, right? The shadows are then revealed. And and that's my thing. I I don't care about the regular season anymore. Get me to the playoffs and get over the hump. The thing is, I've seen it now in the the two years, and I've heard all the stories about Doc Rivers-led teams and what guys like James Harden do in the playoffs. So I don't know how confident I am right now. And, 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 oh, another problem with this organization they just keep adding up like I said Matisse Thibel had Matisse Thibel shown offensive progress at any point increasing his minutes to chase a more athletic version of the scene would be one of the easiest moves you could make Thibel's inability to shoot dribble stop fouling has left him in a place where only spot minutes can do we haven't developed what's the plan for Jaden Springer is he going to play ever what about Matisse Thibel are you trying to trade him? Are you trying to trade Matisse Thibel? He was here, you know, missing the first five games of the year. Then he plays a couple. Then he gets five minutes at a time. How's the guy supposed to get his rhythm going? I just don't understand it. We still have a lot of dead weight. We still have a lot of dead weight. This is just a great piece from Kyle Newbeck. He just really highlights a lot of the issues, a lot of the things we're feeling right now, and it is a tough thing, man. S in the chat says, Boston moved on from their coach, and they're still rolling. Yeah, because they finally got a taste of the finals. They're hungry. They're not settling for less. They're not walking around like they're entitled. They're going and earning it, and that is what you have to do as a team, man. Crazy. But again, it's the little things. It's the lack of rebounding. It's the not hustling back on defense and transition. It's it's crazy, man. Trust has not been earned, not with this fan base and not with most people in the basketball universe. That's what this ultimately comes back to. Trust. 
This city has been not so patiently waiting for a reason to buy in and believe its team will make it past the second round, but they've got the same old Sixers instead. And that just kind of puts the icing on the cake there. That's what this all comes back to. This is the same thing that we've been watching, and everybody deserves some blame, and they got to get it straightened out, or else it is time to pull the plug, man. Might be time to pull the plug if this doesn't work. It's going to get ugly a little bit. It's just crazy how much fun I had watching this Sixers team when Shake Milton and DeAnthony Melton were running the offense. It felt like a new life was put into me. And and now, you know, hopefully Maxi comes back soon, but we we have a lot to uh lot to look out for. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Last thing I'll say here. You want to go get a guy, you want to change a little bit of the culture. Some news today coming out of New York, Cam Reddish remaining out of the Knicks rotation. Talk about a messed up situation. The Knicks are another one, uh, and they will not play Cam Reddish. Don't know why. He's shown a little bit of potential. This guy can knock down shots. He's much more athletic than anybody we have. He's a, he's a wing. Um, why not take a flyer on Cam Reddish? Why not? This would be a good move for this team. That's all I'll say for that, and I'll keep it there. And I see a lot of people in the chat saying we should get Ime Udoka. Well, here's the thing with Ime Udoka. I don't, I don't know about the whole situation. You know, that's why the Nets essentially didn't take him because there was a lot of scrutiny. I don't know if Ime Udoka is the right fit for this team right now because it's going to bring a lot more attention and a lot of drama to this team, man. It's going to bring a lot of drama to this team, which feels like the last thing that we need right now. But yeah, man, overall, severely under expectation, a lot of disappointment. There have been a few positives, but based on where we expected to be 24 games into the year, it's not cutting it. It's not cutting it right now. So. Anyway, that's that's really all I have. I'm glad I got it off my chest. I'm glad you guys have been getting it off your chest. Shout out to everybody killing it in the chat. Hit the like button, man. Still a lot of a lot of people in here. Thank you for being here, man. Hoping to do more of these live shows as well. We'll be dropping videos as well. Um, we got a couple more days off. We have three days off total, and then we play the Los Angeles Lakers, who are kind of surging here. Who are kind of surging here, which is crazy. Anthony Davis, the resurgence, man. And uh, I, I actually think I'm going to that game on Friday. So let me know if, you, if you'll be in attendance. But we got to get back on track. We got to get back on track, man. We got to win that game on Friday. That is a huge game for this. If we lose to the Lakers, you asked me a couple weeks ago, are we going to beat the Lakers? I would have said, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Now I don't know if we are. I don't know if we are. That home crowd's going to be bumping. Sixers need to come with the energy. They need to take these couple days and just refresh and reflect. So it'll be interesting, man. It really will. But um, big game Friday. Big game Friday. Got to get a W. Got to get back on track. Harden has to look better. I can't wait till Maxi comes back. But the team just got to be in sync. They got to be on the right track together, man. 
So we will see what happens. Um, shout out to everybody for being in here, man. Hit the like button, subscribe to the show. Shout out to the sponsor of tonight's show. Once again, Manscaped for presenting this one. Go get your holiday deals. Go get any of their items for 20% off with free shipping using promo code phillytakemanscaped.com. Check them out. That being said, man, we'll, uh, we'll end this one off, but it's definitely been a good show. Sixers Therapy Episode 1, I guess you can call it. Feels good to get it off my chest, tell you that. Looking for better results because last night was a defeating game. It really was. And uh, us, we need to expect more. We need to, you know, call out for more. We need to anticipate more from this team. We have to hold them to a high expectation based on where they are at as an organization, based on the expectations. So hopefully they can turn this thing around. But uh, with that being said, man, shout out to everybody in the chat. We'll uh, shout some people out in here. Let's see. We got Hassan who says we need a coach to coach. Exactly. Class says we needed to vent. Sean says, <laughs> Pelt Rivers. Chop says, I don't care about drama. I care about winning. Well, guess what? Drama takes away from winning. Jay Vicious says the Lakers are good right now. I know they're surging, man. It's going to be a tough game. Kane says the organization is getting its karma. John says, uh, fire Glenn, please. That's all I want for Christmas. Clark says, I was late. Hey, you were late, pretty late. But anyway, you guys can watch this back on the second time around. Put it on your drive to work. It's on uh, all audio platforms as well, all podcasting platforms. So, uh, yeah, be sure to check this one out, man, on the second time around. Hit that like button and be sure to subscribe. Philly Take with RB. And uh, I will catch you guys on the next one. Peace.